Nothing is certain except death and taxes and traffic in Metro Manila. If you live in the Philippine capital, your daily rhythm moves in time with the ebb and flow of vehicles along EDSA. Metro Manila traffic is the scourge of Filipinos. There are regular headlines about us being among the most congested cities in the world. In this B-side episode, Eduardo H. Yap, chair of the Infrastructure Committee of the Management Association of the Philippines, talks to Business World reporter Bronte H. Luxamana about privatizing the EDSA carousel busway and how it can help solve the problem of traffic in Metro Manila. Now let's paint the picture of the situation. Filipinos are faced with never-ending traffic and long lines at train and bus stations, especially during rush hour. It's something that, as a commuter myself, seems like a problem that never changes. So to begin, how dire would you say the transport crisis is at this point in time? And maybe you can contextualize how the problem has progressed so far. The situation is very dire. In fact, the socio-economic cost of traffic and dysfunctional transportation amounts to more than 3 billion pesos every day. In addition to that, the effect on public health because of air pollution, so that's unquantifiable. So that's why we in the Management Association took cognizance of this as early as 2015. So the uh, committee was formed with me as chairman and I presented a position paper with a complete menu of solutions, short, medium, and long term. That included the new busway because it is quite apparent that the yellow bus lanes was not functioning properly. Buses were stuck. So more than 3,000 buses were running, were being used there, but they were not effective because they were just stuck in traffic. So I presented a solution to move the busway to the inner lane. But that is not just a simple shift in the location. Along with that comes a complete system for a rapid bus service. It includes so many other components. In fact, there are standards developed by a global NGO for busways, which must be complied in order for the busway to be efficient. Now, I should say that the busway with a rapid bus service is the most cost-effective urban mass transit solution. It is inexpensive to implement, it is easy to implement, and it takes only a short time. Well, in fact, it took only two weeks for the first section to be completed from North Etsa to Ayala. I took the bus at 8 o'clock on the first day, and it took only 27 minutes before it would take you more than one hour in rush hour traffic. So the busway is functioning, but the problem is that the infrastructure is delayed, and the problem is in the stations, because the stations have not been built, and up to now, the MRT stations are still being used. Normally, they're already crowded and you add the busway passengers so you compound the crowding there. So that's why you see severe crowding. So that's why we felt that something drastic has to be done because we know that commuters are suffering. In fact, we've been seeing in social media, some say that they waste 30 minutes for the ride, others say one hour. That's unacceptable. That should not be the case. So knowing the situation of government, the fiscal constraint and other constraints as well, you know, the procurement procedure in government is so tedious. So that's why we felt that the best solution, time being 
of the essence is to privatize the busway. So that's why we propose to Secretary Bautista to have it privatized and it also coincides with his desire for our public transportation to be up to global standards. And we believe that a privatized busway system can give the Filipino riding public a system that is up to global standards. Now, like you said, this whole system is more than just shifting the location of buses from the curbside to the inner lane. What exactly is the concept of the EDSA busway? Not how it's being done now, but how it should look like in the future. How exactly should it take shape? There are standards I mentioned. For instance, the busway itself, the alignment must be consistently at the inner lane. So what we're seeing now is that sometimes the buses are at the innermost lane and then they go to the rightmost lane. Aside to you, one example, it's Ayala. The bus stop is still on the curbside. Southbound, still on the curbside. Northbound, is still on the curbside. So that is inconsistent with the busway standards. Another standard is that there must be a passing lane at the station. Why is a passing lane needed? Because a busway is for multiple services, local, limited, express service. So while the local buses makes all the stops, the express services or the limited service buses, they skip some of the local stations. Another standard that is very important is that there must be platform level boarding, meaning the buses must be close to the platform, like what you see in the LRT, MRT. The coaches are right beside the platform so that it takes only one step in, one step out. That is for rapid bus service so that the dwell time of the buses in the stations will be minimal so that you have a continuous stream of buses, especially in ETSA because of the high density. You need high capacity. But look what we have now in Top Avenue. The distance of the bus to the platform is so far and the platform even has a steel fence. And then with a narrow opening for two persons only to step down from the platform to the road and then to go up the bus. Now, some buses do not have doors facing the platform. So the passengers have to go around the bus. So safety is compromised. So these are things that we notice that it seems that the implementers are not aware of. So that's why being the busway advocate, we felt that uh, we really have to intervene. We cannot just allow a system like this that is proven worldwide. The concept has been developed since the 1970s and there are so many busways throughout the world but it's not being done properly here and it's a pity because that is the solution and it's working as of august the average daily passengers was 325,000. so the busway is working but we have to do it properly so that's why we're pushing for privatization Recently, we've heard that there's already been actions to jumpstart this privatization process. What can you share has been the perception of the privatization of the EDSA busway by the government? And what do you see is the timeline for this? Well, first of all, we are quite optimistic because Secretary Bautista, coming from the private sector, he realizes the importance of the role of the private sector, how it can contribute to the development of our transportation system. So we are jump-starting the process. In fact, we convened a roundtable consultation meeting with PPP experts, with stakeholders, possible proponents, and we discuss 
uh, certain relevant matters concerning the concession. What appeared in that round table is that there are two modes for privatizing. One is through unsolicited offer wherein the proponent without the government asking for it will submit a proposal and in the process if accepted uh, will gain the original proponent status the other mode is for a solicited wherein the government will announce its intention and then the uh, terms and invitation to the private sector to submit bids we prefer the solicited because under a solicited, the terms of reference for the bidding will be prepared and all the proponents will be subject to the same terms of reference. To jumpstart the process, we submitted already a draft terms of reference to Secretary Bautista. So it's with him now. And I'm very happy to tell you that the terms of reference contains measurable performance metrics with a point grade system so that it is very clear what is expected of the proponents and also they can be held accountable. So the process that we propose consists of two steps. One is the technical bid and the second is the financial bid. In the technical bid, we have the performance metrics. Once the proponent passes that with a grade of at least 75% of the points, then they can go to the next step and compete in the financial bid. Now, there has been concerns expressed that privatization might mean higher fares, but the way we structured the bidding is such that should not happen because the basis for award that we propose is the lowest offered fare level reference to average train fares which will be the benchmark so we know how much is being charged by the train so that will be the average of those train lines lrt1 will be the benchmark so the proponents will propose now a fair level relative to the average so one might say oh i'll give a discount of 10 percent another might say okay i'll give a discount of 20 percent so there is where the commuters will benefit we did not follow the previous model wherein the concession was awarded on the basis of the highest concession fee paid to the government. So what happens in our view is that the concession fee that will be paid to the government adds to the cost of the project and the cost of course will be passed on to the end users. So that's why we felt that the uh, better deal for commuters would be on the basis of fares. On the part of the private sector, is there interest in this kind of model? Well, so far the indications are that there is. And let me say this, the busway system is not uh, rocket science. It is actually a uh, bus line that must conform to certain specific standards. Not unlike before, the buses just stop and load and load wherever they want. And then there is an unlimited number of buses that is being deployed. Not in this case, it has to be organized. There must be system and order. The busway system should not be more expensive than a train system for the simple reason because the carriageway is existing at the ground level the road and then the overpasses at the intersections were built many years ago so that's why etsa is very ideal for a busway because the length of the corridor and the intersections have been already treated with overpasses. Now, aside from that, the right-of-way being existing, instead of building overhead 
structures that will be dispensed with, okay? Then you don't need steel trucks for the train. You don't need catenary power cables. You don't need uh, signaling systems. So there are many expensive components that are dispensed with. So that's why the busway is the most cost-effective mass transit system. That's why we must quickly and fully develop this system for the benefit of commuters. How about the arrangement when it comes to the government as well? Usually, private operators take on operation and maintenance and the government handles infrastructure. So how differently will this have to be? Precisely, you're right. So that's why in this case, initially we thought that the hybrid method wherein the government provides the infrastructure and then the concessionaire operates and maintains. But seeing how this busway is being developed, not in accordance with standard and then very much delayed. So we felt that the integrated concession is more appropriate for this. Under an integrated concession, the concessioner will take care of everything. Infrastructure, the rolling stock, the stations, the operations, the maintenance, everything. So you have only a single point of accountability. If you split it between the government and the concessioner, what will happen is that one will depend on the other. And if the other does not deliver, then the other one cannot deliver. That is not a good situation. Another concern is that since public transport has to be in the interest of the public, private actors getting in involved will complicate matters since they will also be concerned about their own interests. So how will that be handled? It should not be the case because as I said, the terms of reference has specific performance metrics and this metrics are designed in such a way that will allow the development of the system in such a manner that it will be efficient, beneficial to the commuters. While at the same time, it will provide a fair return to the investor concessioner. So it's going to be a win-win situation. But the biggest winner here will be the commuters. MAP has previously commented that the government veered away from the National Transport Plan of 2017, which prioritizes public mobility. So can you elaborate what this is and why it is important? Ah, yes. That's very important. Because way back in 2017, the NETA board has already developed a National Transport Plan. And in that plan, it says that priority should be given to people mobility through public transportation, not private vehicle mobility. Now, you know this is not being complied with. Look at ETSA. The priority allocation of road space is for private cars. So before it was three lanes, now it was increased to four lanes and still they are congested every day. So obviously that's not working and it's not in accordance with the National Transport Plan. Another effect of non-compliance is on the busway because the busway requires two lanes at the station. So the road space for that must be allocated, but it's not being allocated. That is the problem. So what is being done is remedio. The space for the passing lane is being taken from the platform. So that's why you see platforms that are narrow and substandard. So that's why we're saying the national transport plan must be complied with. In fact, our recommendation is for the president to issue an executive order to enjoin all agencies to comply with and enforce the National Transport Plan. Another feature of the plan is that active 
people mobility must be enhanced and that is through biking and walking now biking we see that there are some bike lanes already being put in place but look at the sidewalks that we have for a major corridor in a metropolis with a daytime population of 20 million look at our sidewalk just wide enough for one person now why is that so because the national transport plan is not being complied roads were widened to the maximum sacrificing sidewalks when they should have preserved the sidewalks and then go to mass transportation so that you don't need all those lanes for private cars. Would you say that following this plan and shifting now in order to do so is something we can see in the immediate future? Well, that will depend on our policymakers. That is a situation where we would like to uh, see because the solution really is uh, mass transportation. It is not private cars. Private cars, they are the least efficient people mover. So a bus can transport what, 50 persons using only so much space. Compared to cars, they say with one or two passengers, they cannot match the carrying capacity of buses. So that's why we have to prioritize. Road space is a finite resource. We cannot keep on building new roads. So we have to make efficient use of our roads through public transportation. And when we have an efficient public transportation, motorists will leave their cars behind and take public transportation as in many other cities abroad because it's more efficient. People tend to conflate the matters of vehicular traffic and public transport. So how should we approach these two very different things? First of all, they should realize that they should not conflate traffic in the private car lanes with the bus transportation. These are two different matters under two different agencies. The private car lanes are being managed by the MMDA, while public transportation is under the Department of Transportation. The Department of Transportation is doing something that sustainably solves the problem. But unfortunately, in the private car lanes, we are seeing the same solution over the past decades. Coding, which we know uh, is ineffective, it only induces motorists to buy another car to have the right plate. You see traffic congestion on the traffic lanes, on the private car lanes continues. So that's why now we have a new normal. This is what you have to emphasize. So the people will realize the difference. The new normal is that the bus lane is efficient, running, no traffic. Buses no longer contribute to traffic congestion. But the private car lanes remains marked in traffic congestion. You have to emphasize that. Now, what are the latest updates when it comes to improving the EDSA busway? What should we push for and expect this year? This is a major move that cannot happen overnight. So we wish that we started earlier, but we wanted to give the government a chance for them to show us if they can do a proper job of the busway. But since the situation is like this, and of course, because of the fiscal constraints that the government is facing, budgetary problems, procure procedures. So that's why we want to jumpstart and to hasten the privatization process. But we have to be a little bit patient because this process will take at least six months minimum. How about the metrics that you've mentioned and also feasibility studies which are important with implementing this kind of system? One thing good about the solicited mode is that the government will prepare the project study to determine the viability. But I've been saying the concept has been proven and the viability is also quite apparent. The government spent so far 
only 900 million pesos. And it has a working busway carrying 325,000 passengers already. So you can see the capex to ridership ratio is very much favorable. So you have something like a fixed cost of 3,000 pesos per passenger. Now you amortize that over 10 years. How much is that? It's very minimal. So because of that, I hope that when the PPP center said that they have to prepare a project study, they don't have to go through a very exhaustive, tedious process because the facts are there. And there has been many studies already conducted on ETSA, to be frank about it. And the list that we need is another study. We already have this north-south traffic study that was conducted during the Pinoy administration. It shows the passenger commuter demand, the density of traffic. There all there. So, to comply with requirements, okay, fine. Prepare the project study, but do it quickly. Let's end with what you think should be the immediate calls to action in order to get this going properly. First of all, there should be a concerted effort on the part of the private sector and the government to go towards this direction. Let us not confuse the situation with all sorts of different suggestions. This busway is proven. The alignment is where it should be. Because unfortunately, one of the transport planners that you interviewed proposed a return of the busway to the curbside. Now, that confuses the public. It confuses policymakers unnecessarily. And it is not in accordance with busway standards. So that's why I'm saying that ideally, we had two decades of very challenging public bus transportation that our commuters suffered so much. So we have to find solutions to problems. We should not try to find problems in solutions. And we must realize that change is the only thing constant in this world. Obviously, the very challenging public transportation situation of the past should not return. It should change. And it should change for the better. Once this is privatized, we have included a performance metric in the TOR such that it will encourage the progressive introduction of modern high-capacity commuter buses that you see now abroad. The long bus trains, bi-articulated, running on wheels instead of steel trucks. So that's why we're hopeful that we will see a uh, modern busway system, not only up to global standards, but possibly beyond and even attain gold standard like the Guangzhou BRT. Kaya natin. In fact, if you see the design we prepared for the new stations, they have iconic designs. The concourse even has a coffee bar. The uh, access will be through three elevators, one at each end and one at the center to go down and up for PWDs. So we can do it. And in fact, I believe that we can do this with local engineers and designers. We don't even need foreign designers for this. In conjunction with public utility vehicles like jeepneys, how can their role be improved and how will they work within a more ideal transportation system? Jeepneys play a very important role because they provide the last mile service. Their role should be on the secondary, the feeder road. The main road should be high capacity uh, system. Having said that, the original jeepneys 
must be improved. Uh, remaining this way, first of all, will be harmful to the drivers. It's open, exposed to pollution. The passengers are also exposed to pollution. The capacity is limited. So obviously this has to change. They have to be modernized with cleaner power. The trend now is for many buses that are electric powered and they must be air conditioned. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Eduardo H. Yap, Chair of the Infrastructure Committee of the Management Association of the Philippines, talking to Business World reporter Bronte H. Luxamana about the dire state of public transportation in Metro Manila. According to Mr. Yap, the socioeconomic cost of traffic and dysfunctional transportation is over 3 billion pesos every day. Privatizing the EDSA busway will help solve this problem, he says, and override the government's fiscal and procurement processes, which can take longer than a commute from Quezon City to Makati. This B-Side episode was recorded on-site in Makati City in September 2022. It was produced by Joseph Emmanuel L. Garcia and me, Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.